I want to thank ReviewBiz for sponsoring today's episode. By the way, did you know that reviews are today's digital word of mouth? It's also one of the most valuable business and marketing assets you have. If you're not maximizing your review strategy, then ReviewBiz platform can help you. Let ReviewBiz inspire your members to give you your first five reviews for only $1. To get started, just go to reviewbiz.io forward slash try. Imagine taking a break from traditional business world and opening up a new gym with your friends and then growing this gym to 11 locations. Well, in this episode, we're going to see how the sausage is made with Jeff Skeen. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the very first episode of the Gym Owners Growth Zone podcast. I'm your host, Andres Escobar, and I'm super excited about this episode and ready to share the conversation I had with our very first guest, Jeff Skeen. As I mentioned in our teaser today, Jeff understands how to create an incredible growing gym and franchise for everyone involved. He built one of America's largest gym locations, and I'm so excited to have him here with us. You can find more information about him at resultsredefined.com. If this is your first time listening to our podcast and you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and subscribe. We appreciate your support. And also, when you think someone benefit from our episode, share it with them. My last ask is simple. Since we are new and we need ratings and reviews, it would be greatly appreciated if you would help us reach a wider audience by leaving us a review and a rating. So by the way, if you have any comments or feedbacks, feel free to connect with me through Instagram at meetesco, and I'll love to hear any suggestions or feedback that you want to share with me. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Andres Escobar, the number one. All right. Now, as we dive into Jeff's episode today, I'm really intrigued to get your opinions and your thoughts about what Jeff is going to share with us today. So let's go ahead and jump into and listen to our conversation. Hey everyone, Andres Escobar here, and I have Jeff Skeen on our podcast. And welcome Jeff to the show. Thank you so much for coming on, and it's so great to have you as our guest. And, you know, before we get into how to grow a gym and all that good stuff, I really want to understand, you know, who you are. I want, I know you, but I want the audience to understand who you are and where you came from. A little bit about your story. You know, if you were a superhero, what's your origin story, right? I don't know if you're into superheroes, but, you know, just like where you're like your whole start in, in business and, and what took you there. So if you could share with us, that'd be awesome. No, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't want to start when I was born. We'll start that, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like it all started with. Like that, but <laughs> when, right, that's right. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I grew up with humble, humble beginnings. My family comes from a farm in Kansas and my dad was Navy and my mom was homemaker. And so, you know, I really had no business influence per se growing up. But, you know, the one thing that my father really instilled in me is a couple things. One, life's about people. It's not about you work hard. You're not entitled to deserving of anything, you know, and don't make life about money, you know, so that, you know, and 
I grew up in a Christian home, you know, where our faith is really important to us. And, you know, a lot of the, that's what I love about the faith and the Bible is it really talks about those characteristics. So I really truly believe that foundation he set for me made it possible to me to do the things that I do now. And because I think a lot of people make a mistake of chasing money and dollars and they end up really unhappy. I know some very, very wealthy people that are just miserable. And so, so, you know, that, you know, started that way. Really, I mean, I remember my first story of, of my first business was when I was 11 with my brother who was nine and we'd sell kids candy at the bus stop. You know, we'd save up our allowance and buy candy. And, you know, so my whole life is about hustling and, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. And so my dad's like, you know, I'm here to clothe you, but I gave, he gave me the worst clothes. You know, I had a brand of tennis shoes called Zips, which I don't know anyone knows what those were, but he's like, if you want Nike, save up your money and you can upgrade. But, you know, my responsibility is to put some clothes on, you give some food, a shelter. If you want the nice stuff, you've got to hustle. And so that really was everything that I, I went after. And, you know, I really was drawn to sales very early on in my life. I loved, and I hate using sales because I think sales gets a really bad rap as a title, yeah. but I really yeah. enjoyed connecting with people and finding what their needs were. Like these kids off the bus stop, our parent, the parents shut us down, but the kids wanted candy and it made them happy. So why not? <laughs> you know, so the parents it's, didn't like it because all the lunch money went to candy, but you know, so. It's yeah, funny. So I, was- I had also, the, I also sold candy in school as well. I think that's like, uh, you know, either lemonade or candy. One of those things, you know, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's a go-to as a kid, right? So it was, yeah. it was what kids wanted at that time. And so, and also I love sales and I had a, a mentor who was very high up at IBM and I was going to Virginia Tech and I, I wanted to sell things. I wanted to sell computers. So IBM was the first thing I wanted to do. And I, you know, I said, to him, I said, what college degree should I get? You know, marketing, advertising, whatever. And communication. He said, no, get financial accounting. And he said, if you understand the P&L and understand the balance sheet of a business, you'll go far as a salesperson. Because you know, at, that, at the early days of IBM, a lot of people were marketing and sales that made it to the CEO. And so kind of, I always had this dream of being the CEO of a publicly traded company. So it was this idea like, you know, put these tools in your toolkit. You know, he's like, God bless you with sales. IBM's not going to teach you that. We'll refine the gifts. But really, finance and accounting are things you can learn. And so I went to Virginia Tech for that. I played sports. I was a rugby player in a fraternity and obviously had to drop one of those because my grades were suffering. But, you know, started in accounting and almost failed cost accounting. So, you know, it's kind of like maybe not accounting. So I'll get finance. And I really, you know, I really enjoyed finance. So that's what I ended up graduating with with a minor in accounting. And so that was my kind of my getting to the point I was and, and really first business was helping a family run an off supply company that was going bankrupt and uh-huh. you know, my first out of college. And, and that was, I was blessed to turn that around and we sold it and got the family out of, of hardship. And then I got into software sales and development. I was running a company that developed software to manage 401ks and so forth. And, and then from there, you know, I ended up with depression because I believed I could muscle my way through everything. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of one of those sayings, you know, Navy athlete kind of like, Hey, you can do anything you want. Just work really hard and it will come to you. Yeah. And a long story short, it wasn't the case. It really was that focus right. drew me away from family, friends, purpose, everything. And I ended up with occupational depression in 91. And so it really was kind of the pivoting point of me completely understanding that I'm not completely in control, that right. Life's not about me. It's about others. How do I serve people? And I really, if I think about it, I was serving myself because it was my ego driving me to be great, that kind of thing. And, and really, in my opinion, it was God getting my attention saying, look, take a stop, reset, think about 
what's going on and why you are doing what you're doing. And really, it was probably, I will say, I never will tra- trade that in for the world because it really helped me get focused on what's most important in life. And so that's actually through depression. After I got through that, I got into the gold's gym industry, the gym industry through gold's gym. Yeah. And, Could I uh, just, I wanted to interrupt real quick because yeah. I, I don't want to miss this point. The ego, you know, I mean, it's been this theme this week for myself is the ego is the enemy, right? And it's a, a stoic phrase. It's very old. And we don't understand that at sometimes like, oh, ego is supposed to be there to protect us. It's good. You know, it makes me feel good. And that's great. But could you just share with us a little bit about that ego and how it didn't serve you and it brought you to depression? Just a little of that story. I just want to just, I just feel led to, to just talk about that a little bit more, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting. A friend of mine said what ego stands for is edging God out. Mm. This idea that you are in control of your environment, you right. are in control of life. And when you put yourself at the top, you can be very sorely disappointed in the outcome. And so, you know, it's kind of, you know, they came about in this the story at the computer company because the first company I, I was able to sell and was blessed to sell, I worked like a dog. And it, I'd started at that point where I started just not going home, sleeping in my office, you know, really just living a very unbalanced lifestyle. So it really started right. there. But after I was blessed to be able to sell this company that was going bankrupt as my first deal, I thought it was big stuff. I thought, you know, wow, you know, look at me. I'm, you know, I'm in my 20s. I sold a multi-million dollar company. I'm the man and I can do anything. And so the next opportunity that came to me was our banker said, look, hey, you had great success here. This actuarial software company, the owners need someone to help run it. You know, they're looking for a business manager because they are actuaries and not really with business background. And so I'm, I interviewed and I told the owners, like, I don't know anything about computers. And they're like, well, you know how to run a business. I'm like, that's true. Well, I'll figure it out. You know, right. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. I can do it. And so I got in there and very quickly understood how deficient I was in understanding technology. And so what I did was I bought a computer and I took it home, you know, the old DOS based system. Wow. And, you know, at the time my wife and I lived in the townhome, but you would think we weren't married because I was working in my basement every night, taking the computer apart, crashing the system, looking up how, how do I fix these things? And so I really dedicated during the day running this company at night, I'm going to learn about computers. Right. And then the vice president of technology asked for his help. And so what he would do is at night when he went home and I was gone, he would mess around with my computer. And when I come in the morning, I had to fix it to be able to start my day. So, you know, so he loved the fact that he got to torture me in this education of technology. And, but it was, that was kind of the beginning of the end, right? It was kind of this idea that I can, muscle it up. I can do anything. I'm smart enough. I went to school. I have a degree. These kind of things run through your head and I don't need anybody. I can do it. And I think, you know, that is the big lie, right? You know, I think ego can be good. I think, like you said, it it can drive you for success in a good manner. I mean, it's this idea that, you know, successful people can drive a company to be bad or good. I mean, just because, you know, you have an ego doesn't mean you're always doing the right thing. And so, it really, that was a, to your point, kind of focusing back on that, that was really a pivotal point in my life where now I don't think I can do everything. I know I can't do everything. And so I reach out for help. I kind of lean on partners. I, I'm not an island to myself. Right. Yeah. That's so good. Right. Because we want to do it ourselves. John Wayne style, Superman style. You know, we talked about the, the hero and stuff, but you know, yeah, sure. But a hero 
that works together with other heroes is more impactful, right? And so that's right. I think that's awesome. I appreciate that. That's that's a great story. Thank you so much. So now you're in uh you're talking about Goals Gym and you're you're going in there. So tell us a little more about that and then we can, you know, dissect a little more of that. You know, it, it is it's funny because I would have never in a billion years got into fitness if it weren't for depression. Because, wow. you know, okay. this was back my high school buddies, you know, started the franchise at Gold's Gym in the Northern Virginia area. We were friends from high school and, you know, they gave me a membership as we were friends. And, you know, I was going through this stage of my life where I'm worth nothing. You know, just depression really tears you apart. Mm. And, you know, the blessing was I had six offers from different companies for financial services, sales and so forth. And, and before I was about to take one of the jobs, one of my buddies is like, hey, why don't you come partner with us? Let's grow this together. And I was like... That's really funny. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. That's what I went to college for, to run a gym, you know? And because at that time, it was still, you know, Gold's Gym, you know, everyone thinks of Pumping Iron and Lou Ferrigno and Arnold Schwarzenegger and so sure. forth. They never right. thought of it as a business, right? You got into it because you were the biggest guy on the block or you were a football player, you know, a personal trainer, those kind of things. So I really had that. And I had never belonged to a health club in my life. You know, I was an athlete, so I worked out the school gyms and so forth. But I just thought of it as just kind of, that's funny. You know, that's a joke. And, and very persistent. And I said, okay, let's play a game. If you can meet these criteria, then I'll come join the team. And so mm -hmm. the first one was, I got to have a paycheck, you know, because I'm thinking these businesses don't make any money. And he's like, uh -huh. how much? And I gave him a number and he's like, easy, I can do that. And I'm like, dang it. Okay. That went down. <laughs> then, I, then I'm like, then I'm like, I can't work seven days a week. The gyms are open seven days a week. I've learned my lesson. I need balance in my life. I'm only working six days. He goes, done. Yeah. Dang it. All right. This isn't working. I said, all right, I'm going to pull out the wife card. So at the time, you know, I said, look, my wife has to approve. You know, every guy who wants to be weak can fall back. They're like the wife card, right? That always right. wins. You know, That's she right. says no, you know. So <laughs> of course I went home and the first thing, you know, is I was like, hey, I want to talk to you about. It. She's like, do it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I haven't told you about how much money. I haven't told you about what it really is. She goes, I know you're talking to those guys and take a year off, mental break. Mm. It's not going to really challenge you because it's a gym. You guys are going to have fun. And so it was really more about, she saw it as more of a mental health break for me to get away from running companies and driving hard. And it's almost like an addict, right? It's, if I'm a, you know, an addict, the last thing you want to do to an addict when they recover is say, hey, let's go get a drink. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I think her concern right. was I was an addict that if I got thrown back into the deep end, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to swim. So, you know, God really uses many people in our lives. And if we pay attention, and at this point, depression allowed me to pay attention because I really kind of was trying to figure it out. Yeah. And so, got in Jan February 1992, got in with my partners at Gold's Gym, a single health club that had, it was an old school house, about 17,000 square feet. You know, nothing like today's facilities. And really to me, it was, I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to crush myself like I did before. This will be fun. I get to know my buddies more. We'll just, and what was really cool about it. And what I, you know, the thing I forgot about was this idea that the gym is just another product like any other product. It's no different. And the underlying business acumen of finance, accounting, IT, and so forth, which I had been trained in is important in all those. And you know, so many people pick a product just to pick a product. You know, as I used to think as a kid, as a salesperson, I can sell anything. Mm -hmm. That's probably true. But would I enjoy it? Do I feel it's beneficial to the consumer? Do I believe in it? Right? right. So in sales, I think you're best at sales when you really love what you're selling and you feel that there's a benefit and you connect. 
So what I found was instead of trying to sell people into a product, just talking to them, you know, just having this conversation like, why are you here, Mary? Why are you here, John? I didn't, you know, I was not trained on all the fancy sales techniques of deaf ear and porcupine and all these things we do, but that's not what sales is about. Sales is about literally uncovering a need. Someone walked right. into your doors as a business and how do I help you with my product? And so I really came to fall in love with this product. And really, as a group, we grew from one location in 92 to 11 by 1998. And we were the most profitable Gold's Gym chain in the world. Mm. And I, it's not because we were trained in how to run a health club. We, all of us as partner, had our expertise. We had underlying skills that go across the board, right? And, and we didn't set out to become millionaires. We didn't set out to, you know, it, well, at least for me, it wasn't about being a millionaire. It really was a year stent. I was going to be there 92 to 93 and out to get a real job. And right. once you get into this industry, you're, you fall in love with it. And, and it happens to a lot of people. Right eyes. Yeah, absolutely. It to a lot of people. Really does. I hear that. You're searching for one thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, I found my home. And yeah. it is an incredible business. Now, today, it's unbelievably difficult. Just as you know, you've seen in some of these shows, just the money, the billions flowing into our industry, our fitness industry and, and so forth, much more difficult. But the thing that held true, whether it's today in sophisticated business or of yesterday, really, do you care about the consumer? They're coming into your right. doors. It's like I tell the front desk. You know, we built our, you know, I designed the first one of the first Windows based health club management systems in the early 90s because we were using DOS. I'm like, there's Windows. Why aren't we doing this? So we built this system. And the number one thing I did was I made sure the name on the check in screen could be seen from 10 feet away. Mm. And the designer's right. like, why is the name so big? I'm like, because people's names are really important. That's and it. so much I go into health clubs now, front desk look in their phone. You walk in, there's no connection. For me, I wanted the person, if they're running to answer a phone or sell a drink, look over the screen and go, hey, John, have a great day. You know, because I tell the front desk, you're, this person might have just had a really bad day and they're coming to your health club to really relax and to change. And so I think those principles hold true. And I know mm -hmm. they hold true in any business. If you keep them first and foremost, you'll be successful. For sure. For sure. I love it. That's a great story. And I, I want to unpack a little bit more on on the gym, that's a great strategy. By the way, the being able to, you know, broadcast the name of the member coming in, like we love to hear our names pronounced. Like that's the the best Absolutely. sounding word that anybody can say to us when they say our name and they say it correctly, right? And so it's so important. I mean, take that concept and now use it for your benefit. I want to take this time, like just unpack a little bit more. And, you know, we all know life's a roller coaster, you know, in business, no different. It, it takes ups and downs, tight turns, fast and slow. And what rails or what tracks did, did you do, did you use to keep in line and, and stay focused on reaching those goals? So obviously you said, listen, you guys had fun. I know you guys had fun for sure. I mean, any gym business, you're not having fun. Any business, you're not having fun. It's not worth it. Right. Right. Because you, you no. said it earlier, the it wasn't just about the money. I mean, great, that money's gonna come. But if you have fun first, if you if you understand that your people are important, like you're saying, like how what kept you on track? Because if you just had fun, obviously you're not gonna get the goals <laughs> you're gonna get. <laughs> so so what what did you guys use? What kind of things, what kind of strategies and things did you guys use for to stay on track for that? You know, the one thing I really appreciate about the partnership was we left each other alone. It's kind of like you're in this lane, I'm in this lane. We didn't micromanage each person. The people on the team we trusted, we knew they were doing a great job. So that was really important. I mean, and even before that, I will say we cared about people. 
We want our employees to be happy. We want to make sure we took them on little outings, have fun, because it wasn't just our partnership having fun. We wanted our teammates to have fun, the front desk to have fun, the people cleaning the gyms. You know, we're all teammates. We have different roles and responsibilities, but, you know, that was important that we included our group. We never looked down on anybody in our team. There was never, I mean, we saw ourselves as responsible for some of the big boulders that had to be lifted. Sure. But we knew, we knew the person watching the kids in the childcare or the person at the front desk or the salesperson or the porter or the janitor, I put everybody equal. Like everybody's right. a human being. We're all building this together. And if any one of those pieces is unhappy or not talented or not caring about the consumer, we will fail. You're as strong as your weakest link kind of thing. So that was really important. I think the other thing was, I don't ever recall us like, all right, when are we going to make our first million bucks and go get our Ferrari? You know, it wasn't this conversation about what we could own on the backs of the customer and the employee. Right. It really was this journey, unexpected journey that ended up to where I am now, where you know, I've done almost $850 million in fitness transactions, not on the backs of being a genius or taking other advantage of the people. It was really this idea of we just, we were blessed. I mean, it was just we, the main blocking and tackling. And it really worked. And so that was one thing. The other thing that we did, you know, because our profitability was one of the largest profitabilities in the world for golds. It actually was at the time. And they're like, how are you running this two to three times more profitable than all the other gyms mm. in our network? And for most people in that industry, and really what we did was we had, we cut out the middle layer. And what we did, we believed that the general manager was closest with his team or her team to the front lines. And so everybody that came in as a general manager running that business was a managing partner. They had to invest some capital. It was pretty much how much do you have in your savings? They're like, ah, and I've got $10,000. Well, all right, we want 7000 mm. if you want to be in. Because, yeah. you know, you're, many people's hearts is where their money is. Even if they don't care about people, they care about their money, right? So each yeah. of our locations was a self-contained unit that really served the customer, could respond to the customer. It wasn't, you know, layers and layers of people up to the corporate office where the customer got frustrated because no one would resolve their issue. You hear that all the time. Like, I can't get a hold of anybody. There's nothing going on. And, and we were able to grow rapidly and profitably because wow. the managing partner ran it. And also, we knew when we went in as executives into that facility and we trained them on how to make their business better, they cared. They wanted to make it better because they knew those profits were coming into them. Whereas you see a lot, and now it gets very difficult to do that model as you get much larger as an organization. It's just, you know, sure. if you have private equity involved and so forth. But, you know, we had 11 locations. And so not a huge chain, but a decent sized chain. And it we could grow because we knew that those boxes were being taken care of. And as we opened new ones, we didn't have to really worry so much about the success of that individual facility. is a beautiful word to hear when you're scoring on the soccer field. This last World Cup was won by Argentina because of one important player. Yeah, you got it. It was the goalie. He secured the win for the team. And in the same way, ReviewBiz platform will catch negative reviews before they go online. In addition, it helps you score and promote fresh new reviews so you can crush the competition. So don't let those big box gyms take your clients. ReviewBiz will help you build your online presence and turn your own members into your best sales reps. Get your first five reviews for only $1. 
All you got to do is go to reviewbiz.io forward slash try to get started. Did you just call boxes the gym location? Because that, that, that's CrossFit yes, they use by. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Just to kind of clarify, because I don't hear anybody outside of CrossFit using boxes, but yeah, it's, it's, that's true. Okay, good. <laughs> many different terms for it, so. <laughs> so many different terms, all right? It's the, the whole jargon and, and, and stuff. Right. But you know, th- this audience is mostly gym owners, so hopefully they, they caught that as well, but that's, that's good. <laughs> so this, that's great. I mean, the no micromanaging, I see that a lot right now with a lot of gym owners. They're, they're just micromanaging. They want to know what's going on in every single aspect, which is important, but when you take over the job of the one that you hired somebody to do, that's no good. <laughs> that's, you're too much. You're too much. And, and also, oh. I think there's a lot of lazy management that I've mm. seen where so, you know, some I've seen, I wouldn't say everybody, no one, not everyone does. There's a lot of very successful operators, but a lot of the ones that I've seen fail, mm-hmm. the way they set goals for their team is last year we did 200 units a month. So this year you're going to do 220 a month. Well, we just hit a recession. How is it possible to do 220 units? And what you end up finding is you burn out your staff, they become disheartened. So there's not a lot of business valuation on the economic environment, you know, what people can achieve or can't achieve. And so you really dishearten the team and you become this leader that has to feel like they have to micromanage because you did a poor job of establishing realistic goals for your team. And you just, you know, took five minutes to say, oh, this year it's 10% more than last year. And this year it's 10%. I mean, we all know in any business, you can't grow forever at that pace. And so that's where I've seen also a lot of failures is just not really setting the right expectations for the business. Mm. Or not setting any expectations. Somebody's like, hey, we just got to do better. We did this last year. We didn't do this better. That's it. <laughs> like, come on. Yes. Give me a yes, Someone told me they, they call that run faster coaching. It's this idea as an athlete, you need to run faster and just run faster. And it's like, well, coach, I'm running as fast as I know how to, you know, you, your job as a coach, what muscle groups do I have to work on? What, you know, what form do I have to do? And you mm. hear that, just do better, Billy, just do better. It's like, mm. how? Billy's doing the best he can. He doesn't know anything else. I love that. That's great. I love that. Just do better. He's doing exactly. You as a coach, you need to know what they need to work on. What is the actual right. movement that they need to improve? Their arms. Is it not moving right? What is right. it? What is it? Oh, I love that. That's great nugget right there, Jeff. Appreciate that. So, so obviously you shared some obstacles and, and, and some challenges. What did you guys do to overcome? If you could just share like one obstacle or a challenge and, and how you overcame it. You know, I, you know, the depression was our, the biggest life obstacle I think I've, I've faced um, mm-hmm. personally. The other, other huge obstacle I faced, you know, obviously COVID for everybody was a, an absolute disaster in the business world period. But, you know, for me before that, the great recession, you know, of, of 2000, I guess at the end of 2007, 2007 yeah. kicked in, right? The real estate, and, all and of that, the real estate crashes and oh, whatnot. Oh, everything. Oh, oh, everything, was, right? It yeah. just, Oh, it was, it was depression. You know, I mean, talk about depression. Ever. It's the recession, depression. I mean, that's like, and honestly, some of that stuff still lingers on, you know, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, it's, I'd gotten out of the fitness industry. We'd sold Gold's Gym International in 2004 and okay. made some nice money. And so I was like, ah, I'm happy not doing that hard work anymore. You know, you kind of get burnt out. And 
And then I got talked back in 2006 to really getting back after it because I was had a consulting business for the fitness industry, helping franchises open. And so I still was in it, but I didn't have to worry about putting 5 million bucks down into my own money and, and opening a gym, right? It was really someone else's money and I had the background in it. And so, but got talked into 06. So of course I, you know, was like, ah, you know, I'm kind of happy. And they're like, hey, we have, we can get some term sheets on these chains of golds for sale. This would be awesome. Let's do it all over again. So some, some of the guys from the former golds gym international team were available and like, ah, well, let's see. And so, you know, basically at that point I said, you know, my first stint with private equity was the most enjoyable one, you know, and one reason was, you know, it's a different world. Like if you're an entrepreneur and then you've got private equity guys that have Harvard MBAs and spreadsheets and really smart managing your business and they don't know your business, there's a lot of push and pull. And so it was my first experience. I wasn't really excited about it, but doing what we wanted to do in 2006, we really needed to raise the capital to roll up a bunch of chains and really grow as fast as we wanted to. So I told the team, I'm like, okay, fine. As long as I'm CEO, that's we'll do that. And I got to find a private equity group that shares our values. I don't want to be called at two in the morning on a Sunday. I don't, right. you know, I want to go to my daughter's soccer game. I don't want to be like, why are you doing that? I don't want to, you know, I want to be trusted by the private equity group and have a group that says, look, don't take every single penny off the table at your own health and the risk of your team. So yeah. I said, if we can find that and the great news about raising capital, we owned nothing. We put some term sheets together and we had a great management team and we got incredible number of 60 people interested in our raise. And we ended up with 10 that made offers. And and so off to the races, right? We had to raise debt. We raised all this money from private equity, closed on at the end of 07. The worst time ever to Mm. re-enter a business Mm -hmm. with significant investment. And I thought to myself, God, I knew this was a bad idea. What the heck am I doing? I had a great cushy life. I could have sat back not worried about this economy. And now I'm in the midst of this off to the races hell. And, you know, within a year, our revenues were cut in half. We were breaking bank covenants left and right. Our bankers are like, that's it. We're, we're getting rid of you guys. You're being scrapped. And wow. my ego is the thing I was worried about. I was like, oh my goodness. I'd come from a background of a resume that looked successful, right? And then to have one that says, oh, by the way, I failed. <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, and it was by, oh, it's a great recession. You're like, it doesn't matter. Failing fails. It it doesn't feel good, right? right? So it was during that time, and I tell people, like depression in my personal life, I love business challenges. I love disaster because what it does is it makes you become a better business person. It makes you think about new opportunities. Like the COVID experience was horrible, but I saw like the fitness industry getting into omni channels, getting into digital, getting into. It would have never happened in my mind, at least at this pace, if there wasn't have been some disastrous moment in our economy. So I need a you know, shake I looked up. at that. I'm the, you need a shakeup. Your life personally and in business, you need a shakeup because otherwise you get comfortable. And I have friends that were making millions of dollars a year, comfortable in their careers, great recession hit, zero revenue, and they went bankrupt because they just sat back. It was like, all oh, the money will always come. So for our team, we had never experienced something this dramatic. In the past, I've been through some some recessions, but this was like off the charts. And so what it did was we as a management team, like, we don't want to be, we don't want to be scrapped. You know, we're fighting for something much bigger. We're not going to fail. We're athletes, we're winners, you know, that kind of mentality, grabbing the face mask and saying, let's get after it. And we came up with some ideas. Some were the worst ideas. Our private equity group at a board meeting, we were like, oh, that's that's really funny. I think you're really stretching to for us to feel like you got this under control. I'm like, well, we're going to sell pencils on the street. 
with the gym name on it if we have to, right? So it made us reevaluate profitability. Did we need certain expenses? Had we just become fat and happy? Right. You know, what what are some of the things that happened? And and it was through this whole thing that, you know, we had we were a gold gym franchisee at the time mm-hmm. and we, you know, we had about sixteen or so locations under the brand. And then we went to buy Fitness Connection. That's how the Fitness Connection acquisition came about in 2011. And that was a completely different model. It was a $10 big box. The guys that founded that were geniuses in a sense. You know, Planet Fitness came out of, you know, kind of the same thing. An right. economic downturn. We need to sell more memberships. Let's make it $10. And none of us would have ever thought selling a $10 membership would work, right? We were selling memberships for $50 a month and we're like, sure. we're happy. So it was through that acquisition. Unfortunately, we weren't given the rights by Gold's for Houston, Texas. And so we had to delist from the brand and convert to Fitness Connection. Mm-hmm. A very scary moment because Gold's Gym, even to this day, I have an incredible soft spot for it. I love the brand. I love the people. And for me to leave and our team to leave something that that's all I knew. That was the first brand I was involved with was a very difficult time. And and even my private equity guys are like, man, this is going to be a Hail Mary, not only because you're debranding from the most recognized brand in the world, but changing your business model from something that's $10 from 50 and you need a lot more members to make it happen. So it was a really scary time for us because wow. it was the Hail Mary. It was kind right. of like, how do we make it happen? And our team- How did you make it happen? Well, it was amazing. We, under the brand, the Goldstein brand, awesome brand, but what we learned from it was the way we ran our business and the way we took care of our customers and our facilities trumped the mm. brand. So we were- we were really afraid because we thought a business is all about the brand. Now, brand recognition is huge, right? I mean, McDonald's obviously has a brand, right? That's worth an incredible amount of money. Gold's as well, still a great brand. But I think we were afraid that it was more about the name on the building versus what was inside the building. You know, mm. did you have a clean facility? Did you greet your customers when they walked in? So first thing we debranded, very little disruptions to the business, now, if I would say for anyone out there starting a business in the fitness industry, being part of a franchise, it's really important because it's a complex business, way more complex than it used to be. So I don't want anyone to think I'm poo-pooing franchising or branding. I'm not at all. But I think the lesson here is don't rely on the brand to what carries your business. You know, rely on, you know, basic business things, taking mm, care of the consumer, right. keeping it clean. People, they leave businesses, right? So if you have a connection with the consumer, and I was the XYZ facility, they're going to come up, hey, Jeff, why the XYZ facility? Here's why, but still same great product. Awesome. Off they go. And they're not going to leave because, oh, I'm not, you know, forget it. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm leaving you. So that was the first lesson learned in that, that whole change. The second one was, it was awesome to watch our team and our geniuses put math behind changing a model that's 50 bucks a month to $10 a month with, you know, getting away from an obligated period having high enrollments, all these kind of things. The metrics are so different from a big box to, you know, a high volume box like a like Fitness Connection or Plant Fitness and these others that have come about, EOS. Sure. There a bunch of them are very successful. But going from one mile to the next while running alongside the train, while the banks are thinking about bankrupting you, while all these things are happening, it was like our team was like, I can't imagine our team going through anything worse except COVID, right? I mean throw COVID right, in there, right, right, like, <laughs> Game Implosion. over. All right, yeah. we try. Yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're closing. But you know, um, from that perspective, that was an incredible Herculean event from our team to phase the whole thing. And when you looked at the financials, when we changed private equity funds after the acquisition of Fitness Connection, we showed our financials, and everyone was like, "When did you change the brand?" 
They they didn't see any didn't loss see, wow. in revenue. A lot of people, what they That's, do is they change their model. They're like, hey, I'm going to go $10 a month because I'm losing in my market at 15 50 and I'll just change my price. Yeah. You hear stories where people are like, Jeff, I went out of business or I almost went out of business because it's not that easy. I mean, your revenue, your retention, attrition, all those metrics, it's very challenging to make that change. And so I was very, very proud of our team because we went through and going before these geniuses and they're like, how did you do it? You know, it it gives you great pride. And I, I know it, it, it was a lot of lifting by everybody in the organization to really make that happen. And it happened. And, and it was, I will say, it was the best move. I learned a lot. And actually, from that experience of changing the business model is why sure. I'm in healthcare now. Because right. I learned in the fitness industry, you can take a lot of that and apply it to a healthcare industry. And the same laws apply. Yeah. And I definitely want to talk about what you're doing right now. I got one question that I just can't wait to ask you. And this is it. Like this... The question is, and right, is anticipation here. <laughs> what would you change in the fitness industry right now? You know, if you were to, I know, I know. I was like, I can't wait to ask him because, you know, you look at it, you've gone through it, you've seen it, what it was, what it's become. And obviously you mentioned a little bit, a little bit about the, you know, being on the phone and stuff like that's like, it's got to irk people. And obviously you could be on the phone and you could work, but I don't know. Like that's, I don't know. Like, what do you think it would be something if you could change in the industry? Like, what would it be? You know, it's, I guess the best way to explain it is this. We were raising capital with another private equity fund. And we were sitting in this meeting, fireside chats in New York, with all these people wanting to give us a ton of money. And my management team, I had not prepped them for my response to one of the answer questions I got from the private equity group. And they kind of, they're like, you know, kind of something, give me some insight to as why you're doing what you're doing, whatever it may be, kind of like, you know, our little interview here. And mm -hmm. I said, you know, when I look at the industry, I feel like I have failed and that diabetes and obesity have come about because of my failure in the fitness industry. Wow. And of course, my partners are like, we're trying to get a lot of money. I don't know that you're really going to lock it down with that response. Right. And the, obviously, the private equity guy's like, what are you talking about? Your resume shows like you're in fitness, right? That's all you've done. You play, you were an athlete. Like, this is your whole life. And I said, here's why. Until the Fitness Connection acquisition and it was Gold's Gym, what did I focus on in my advertising? What did I focus on in my messaging to the consumer? It is like people would come to me and go, you know, you're Gold's. Well, I'm going to work out at home until I'm ready to look good to be at Gold's. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, that's not what we're, we want no. you to come in, bus right. broke. So we are the experts to help you, right? That's why gold's the pinnacle of fitness, that whole thing from, you know, the bodybuilder everyone laughed at it, but it really was kind of the consultants were like, that's a pinnacle of fitness, right? Look how, you know, this is what it means. But really in my mind, it was more about the pinnacle of beauty because when mm. we message, what's the advertisement? Get ready for the beach. Get ready. You know, you have someone in a bikini laughing and joking or some guy that's shredded, right? Or, mm -hmm. you know, all these kind of things. And we talked about beauty. We didn't talk about inner health or mind, you know, your mind or the whole body. We just, it was literally, you know, if you look at personal training folders, this is one thing that drove me nuts because I took over the personal training division at Fitness Connection because I wanted to get closer to this product. And I'd go through the files and I'm like, what are these, these sheets? We're tracking BMI, bicep, chest, waist, weight, right? Maybe body fat percent might be in there, you know, depending on how you measured it. And I'm like, Grandma Jones doesn't care 
about any of the metrics. Right. Why is she coming? Why is she coming to you? Well, maybe because they have a grandchild and she can't pick that grandchild up or she can't get off the ground and participate in family activities. We're right. missing what this person needs and wants. And they're like, well, we have no place to measure it. So I said, let's measure it. Maybe there's just a line with a happy face on it. You know, like they do in, you know, reviews, right? Happy face, sad face. Sure. Right? She's not looking to get an 18-inch bicep. She could care less. And so it really struck me as I got into this. And I started looking at the attrition in the personal training division and compared the folders with all the tracking of the metrics. Right. There was a direct correlation. Like people were not hitting, quote unquote, the goals we established for them, but not their goals. Right. So as an industry, if you look at it, dumbbells are dumbbells. Squat racks are squat racks. I mean, we have more electronics now more than ever, and the, the equipment's prettier and it's fancier and all that kind of stuff. But the industry has not really changed. It really hasn't. And I truly believe that COVID was a wake-up call to our industry to say, there's more. Like, would the governors shut us down, pairing us to tattoo parlors and bowling alleys or whatever, if our messaging was, we're about health and wellness, not just about beauty. Now, beauty, sure. Beauty gets you in the door, right? It makes the phone to ring. But we have a greater responsibility as an industry to take care of the customer for more than just looking really good. And so I think from that, when you look back on it, it's a huge gap. And, and that's why I've left to do what I've done is because one of the things in my company now that we uncovered was that a lot of people have underlying health issues, mm. cholesterol, they're the rising risk, the type yeah. of diabetes or whatever, right? right? And low hormones or whatever it may be, you could work with a guy with low testosterone until you're blue in the face. They're just not going to get there. No. So I was like, wait a minute, there's a missing piece there, mental health. Huge issue. Mental big, health. Big. I mean, what's awesome about the fitness industry is- It helps. If you exercise, yeah. you feel good. Like when I got in the, the gym business, I'm like, I feel great. My dopamine's up. Whatever it may be, right? And right. so we are way more than just beauty. We really are doing things that we never really contemplated that we're doing. We never really called them out. And what I love now and going to fitness shows and talking to my friends in the industry, they're calling it out. Like, we got to call this out because we are more than that. We're not just a place to- to get ripped and look beautiful. Right. And so the industry really needs to evolve. It really needs to be part of wellness, healthcare. It needs to be part of this continuum of health. We have an incredible opportunity as a fitness industry to change. But unfortunately, I see so many of these models. It's deconstructing the big box, right? Now we got studios everywhere. Now we've got, you know, we've got all these pieces all over the place. Yeah. And they're great, right? Convenience is really important, right? That's probably one of the number of reasons one reason most people go to a business is it's convenient. So sure. we're we're providing more convenience. But are we gonna bend the curve for diabetes and obesity and these other things if we don't change our language, the services we offer, and really approach the consumer from a holistic perspective? I love that. It's just you actually, you alluded to it a little bit before, like, hey, just going back to the brand, right? It's the outside. And then what's on what's going on, on the inside? And now you're going even deeper. Like, hey, what's going on, on the inside with the people on the inside? That mental health thing is so big. Yeah. And health and fit, fitness, working out helps so much. You know, those endorphins, my, my, I'll share a quick, quick story. My son saw me, I was like a little down in the dumps. And he's like, Hey, dad, what's going on? You, you okay? Or, or actually, he didn't even say that. He said, hey, dad, what was the last time you had fun that you felt like you were having fun? And I said, well, last time I was, I was bike riding. And he's like, hey, why don't we do that? 
He didn't even say, hey, how are you? What's wrong? He didn't say any of that. He said, hey, what was the last time? He wanted me, he wanted to get me out of my funk. And he said that. I'm like, let's go. And then I'm like, this guy's a genius. This kid's a genius. I'm like, who am I working with? This guy, I gotta work, I gotta watch out with this guy. This so, anyways, my son, I love him to death. And so, but yeah, that's just going deep, understanding the psyche of of your members, your customers, and serving them best. You know, they're not they're not one fits one size fits all. We can't be, can't be. So yeah. I love that. And I think so. I think also it's a very complex issue, and that's again why we started our company is because. Right. It is a very complex to say. It's easy for me to say, yeah, the industry needs to change and we knew this. But what I'm doing now, I'm even seeing more complexity because once you start moving into healthcare, it's a whole nother game. I thought the fitness industry was complicated. Healthcare is off the hook. I mean, it is just unbelievable. Agreed. Agreed. Agreed on that. I have some experience with healthcare and it does. It needs to be from pharmaceuticals to just the care of from the doctor to the patient. Um, Right. Yeah, because if you sure. look at the health club industry, I, I criticize the health club industry for just being about beauty. Mm-hmm. I criticize the healthcare industry about disease management. Mm-hmm. So both industries, you know, you don't change the stripe of a title, right? If you were brought up as an athlete, you're an athlete and that's what you know, right? Right. If you're a doctor and you were trained in diagnosing and, and providing prescriptions, that's what you know. And you can't blame people for that because that's what they know. And when you take a look at it, when you stand back and, you know, that's like I said, you know, taking a, a pause and looking back, you're like, wait a minute, why are these guys working together? This doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. It's, I'm thinking about, you took me to this, the book, um, it's a habit book, The Power of Habit. And it's, it talked about mm-hmm. the whole, we get into habits and, and in any industry, we're in habits of doing this and we're like, okay, this is what works. This is what used to work. Okay, let's continue doing it. Dun, dun, dun. You get stuck. And how do you get out of that? Change the model switch it up a little bit, look at what's more important to the actual customer and and not just your bottom line, right? So good. Oh, so I love I love reading. I love doing all this stuff. Jeff, I'm going to wrap up. We're almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> just five questions and just whatever comes to mind. I know I, I sent it to you, so I don't know if you got the chance to answer them in, in your head already, but, but just real quick, I'm going to ask them and that is the fast five. So here we go. So who is an influential person that you had in your business journey? Jesus Christ and my father. Amen. That's awesome. Love, love that. Importance of being having a father and heavenly father at that. That's good. What's one thing you wish you had known when you began your business? I'm not in control. Mm, so good. Serenity prayer, people. Come on, let's go. <laughs> All right. What's a book, a blog, podcast, or a media that you consume that has positively impacted you? Well, you know, everyone calls me a Bible thumper. You know, the Bible. The Bible. I mean, that, the one thing I want to I want to point out is sure. the book of John with the Samaritan woman, that experience. I think you might be aware of where Christ mm-hmm. is coming through and this woman's coming to the well. And the Jews and Samaritans didn't really hang out together, especially with women. And Christ's approach, that approach is the answer for business. His, mm-hmm. That whole dialogue is if you followed his dialogue, mm-hmm. that is how we are to respond in business. You know, he wasn't supposed to talk to her, right? It was a, sh- but he cared. Like his heart was so beautiful. He loved her. She had a scattered past. Instead of shunning her and saying, oh, you're so horrible. He embraced her and said, hey, here's some ways to solve the challenges that you're facing. Mm-hmm. He asked questions. He engaged her. He didn't tell her. He didn't talk at her and say, here's your solution. Here's what you need to do. He's asking right. questions. He's engaging. And he's giving, you know, he's got, we got two ears and one mouth, right? 
You listen more than you talk. And I love that part of the Bible just for business because it answers so much how we should be treating people. Oh, so good. I love that. I never thought about that that way. That's so good. A nice little framework on business from the Samaritan woman in, in the well. Right. <laughs> I love it. All right. Do you have like a, a favorite online tool that you use right now? Yeah, we use a tool. One of our tools is Infusionsoft, which is now Keep. It's Great. a prospecting CRM tool that's HIPAA compliant, you know, because we're in healthcare and we're sure. kind of creating new ways of doing business. We really need something that was bridging the EMR and some of the different systems. Perfect. I love that. And I want to know more about that, the healthcare, what you're doing for, for gyms as well. But, I'm, you know, one, one last question, the last five, got to do five. <laughs> What's one habit or practice that you believe that everyone would benefit from? Well, every morning I read the Bible and mm-hmm. I exercise. Now, whether you believe in that or not, meditation, you know, starting prayer, off the day, yeah. prayer, whatever, everyone has their yeah. own thing, right? And, sure. and mine just happens to be reading the Bible and, and praying and, and then exercising. Six days a week, I exercise. And I love it. I get a little sweat in, 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be arduous, but just keep me alive. That's awesome. Now, tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. Thank you for that, by the way. The Fast Five, we got that going. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now in the healthcare industry and, and how it relates to the gyms. And what you're doing to help them? Yeah. So, you know, actually, gyms are, you know, I want to be a partner. I call ourselves, our company, kind of the quarterback in the healthcare, fitness, wellness journey for customers and patients. And like I said, it's very complex. So we have kind of two main companies. One is our re-envision company, which we call a management service organization. And, and what we do is we partner with our medical company that has physician medical providers. So we have MDs, NPs, and so forth. And they're two different companies. And what we do in markets where we don't have a, a doctor partner, okay. we will do our own. We'll be our own doctor, primary care, but we only focus on prevention and wellness, not the you know pulmonary and all the other cardiac and so forth, but the things that re- relate to someone's health and wellness. And so what we do is we really are a standalone clinic. We've got some clinics and gyms. We've got working with doctors, offices and buildings. We've got something in a retail center. So we really put our business in a way where we can can really partner with the fitness organizations, wellness organization, and doctors and kind of move the patient around in this mm. journey. And so what we, our MSO really focuses on is prevention and wellness. So the things that are the top cost in the healthcare system, we want to, we take insurance. We're a medical practice. So we take people's insurance so we can make it affordable. We're not okay. a concierge. I mean, we do have concierge services, but we really wanted to make it affordable so we focus on the top expenditures in healthcare that are controllable, muscular skeletal, a very high spending. So we have physical therapy division. We've got a medical weight loss division because obviously obesity and diabetes. So we can prescribe medication when necessary. We have a strategy there. Men's hormone, testosterone will eventually probably get into women's hormones, but women are more complex than men. Men are pretty simple to treat. So we, <laughs> we're in that. We also have a lab division that resells labs on behalf of some of the large lab companies in the country. And then we're a final product that we're working on is mental health. It'll be psychiatric. So that's wow. going to be the final one, which is really complex in itself. But what's interesting on the lab side, we got in the lab business because one of our pilots in our first health club in 2018, we found that almost 80% of the gym members that we gave wellness panels to had some underlying condition. Hmm. And the medical community is like, how is it possible? They're health club members. <laughs> it was interesting. I was talking to a guy, Department of Defense, black ops guy. And he had horrible blood. I'm like, what is wrong with the blood? He goes, I guess that block of cheese I eat every night. I'm like, you kill people and you're eating a block of cheese every night. How are you an efficient machine? I don't get it. 
But it, the, the labs don't lie. The blood does right. not lie. And it was a fascinating thing. The second thing we found was really fascinating yeah. was that health club members, 50% of them don't have primary care physicians. They wow. don't have a doctor. How much? So what's the percentage? 50%? About 50% of the pilot wow. we did don't have doctors. Now, think about it. I mean, I would go to an urgent care minute clinic before I got into the medical world because it's convenient down the street. I could never get into my doctor. I wait an hour in the lobby. I'm like, forget this. Everyone's mm-hmm. sick around me. So primary care, in the primary care physicians traffic is down significantly even before COVID. And right. so what we're doing is we're doing, actually the medical groups pay our company, the gyms and everyone else doesn't. And what we do is we go, okay, patient, you have high cholesterol, you have an issue. We work with this gym chain in the market and we take them over to that gym chain and go, hey, Mary really wants to work with you. We, you know, because of HIPAA, we can't really disclose the issues, but we've told Mary she needs to work with you. We have found that when our medical group refers to a gym, that 60% of that patient will buy a gym membership and personal training. And the personal training contracts are 33% mm. higher because a physician referred them. But many physicians are don't trust gyms to take care of the patient. So what we do is we go into a market and go, who are the best in that market? And we're going to refer our patients. I mean, physicians will have up to 5,000 patients per physician. They have a huge boatload sure. of people sure. that need help. Right. So we're becoming this trusted right now. We work with Privia Health. That's our, our medical partner. They're one of the biggest in the country that works with physician groups and we own physician groups and we also partner with physician groups depending on the market. But it's really this idea is let's take the complexity out of it for both groups and we'll do the work because our partnership, our partners are urology, internal medicine. I'm the gym guy. So I know the gym thing. So we all work together with the patient and we can talk the language of both groups and we kind of move right. them around. The doctors get more revenue because their revenue is down. So we help them make more money. The gyms get more members, you know, so it works out really well. And so we tested that in 2018 and we found it was a home run. The gyms, we increased revenue. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to pay for the services. The doctors are making more money. They're now getting referrals from the gym for patients that don't have primary care physicians. So it really is a very uh, synergistic relationship. And neither one of the groups have to learn anything or do anything. Literally, here's a piece of paper, hand it to the person to go there or go there. Man. This is so good because, I mean, you're a connector. <laughs> you know, you're in the middle. You're getting people what they need. And I, I love that because it's it's a continuation. It's not just the, the beauty, like you said earlier. And you're going deep, deep into that. Now, in my eyes, you're wise and you know so much, right? And so if you could go back and share one piece, just one piece of advice with yourself, what would that be, Jeff? I wish I better understood commercial real estate when I started out. Mm-hmm. You know, because commercial real estate is such a big part of retail business. Mm-hmm. And I was very fortunate in my, in my partnership, we had guys that were experts in it. But I wish I would have, I'd like to better understand the components of business. Mm-hmm. So real estate, understanding that, because that could be scary. A lot of people, quite honestly, a lot of people went bankrupt because they personally guaranteed a lot of leases. They didn't have any strategies to not use a personal guarantee. And so when their businesses collapsed, not only did they lose their business, they lost everything because they had signed away on these millions of dollars of leases that they weren't even aware that they had that obligation. So it's a missing component. You know, people are signing leases with their signature and they don't have any right because there's no database that says, hey, Jeff signed on 10 million over here and he's going to do 10 million over here. Like there's no database that credit rates these people signing all these leases and they wake up like, oh my goodness, everyone lost. So real estate Uh. was really, I wish I knew more about that. Yeah, but I do know a lot now just because I've had no choice. But it's, sure. it was an early lesson I, w- I wish I would have had. Who would you uh, reach out to to help you? I guess in those real estate contracts. I mean, there's so much online. 
Yeah. Just, you know, and obviously without saying hire a great real estate attorney. They're not really perfect. Don't do it yourself. Some people are like, oh, I don't need an attorney. They cost me $400 an hour. I'm like, yeah, but you could lose <laughs> millions. Right. Again, team. It's not about you. It's about the team. Yeah. But, you know, the real estate attorney really helped me a lot on some tricks and, and so forth. But there's also podcasts and articles that you can read. I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, I took away so many good insights. One of the main ones, obviously, is, you know, once you think you've gone deep, don't just keep it superficial. Go deeper into how you're helping your members, your customers, and how you're able to get them results, fulfill what they actually want to get out. Because you're a business, you, you serve a purpose. And it's not just the bottom line, not just the shareholders. You know, your customers are the, the life and blood of your business. And they're, you got to treat them like that. So, and, um, and your employees, your employees are not and, just slaves and tools, right? They are part of your team. Wow. Wow. That's going to resonate a lot with what I'm seeing right now. But that's true. Treat them with respect. And as, as a team member, don't forget to have fun, right? Oh, so good. Absolutely. So Jeff, what's the best way that our audience can connect with you and stay in touch with you? So the best way, if you want to reach out to me, just send me an email. I'm happy to respond. Uh, the email is jskeen at resultsredefined.com. That's our main company, our investment company that works with different groups. Awesome. Email. Love that. So so you're an email guy. Still old Great. school. Yeah, yeah, no yeah, Instagram, right? No Twitter. Just, you know, just give me an email. <laughs> Love it. It's so good. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. And I appreciate everything you're doing for not just your customers, but for the industry itself. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, that was so good. I would never thought that a man like Jeff got depressed. I really liked the principle on how the ego works and how it edges God out. It also showed me how the ego makes you think that you can do all things by yourself. Also, what Jeff shared about making sure that sales are about uncovering a need and serving that need, man, that was super cool. I would love to hear what really stood out for you. So go ahead and drop me a comment or an Instagram. You can find me at meetesco. Also, if you haven't done so already and you thought about someone while listening, so go ahead and share this podcast with them. You can go ahead and copy the link and just pass it along to them. So thank you again for your time and your effort in listening to our show. Our next episode is going to be with Michael Benso, and I can't wait to have you listen in. Until next time, I'll see you in the growth zone. Our show today was brought to you by our incredible team, starting with production from TSE Studios, music consulting by Tyler Schmeling, our lovely guest coordinator, Anna Ponce, and focus juice from our project coordinator, Mauricio Murillo, and myself, Andres Escobar, as the host. Thanks to ReviewBiz for sponsoring this episode. And if you want to get the most out of your review strategy, then go to reviewbiz.io forward slash try so you can get your first five reviews from your real members for only $1.